0: The networks have all called it for Trump. No one has ever succeeded like I have. This was not espionage. This was an attack.
1: You're going to get clobbered, Jim.
0: Jim, call me. He's more famous than me. Really looking forward to working with you.
2: Let's take a picture. We've now been presented the dossier... Concerning Russia and its connection to Trump. Putin began cultivating Trump as an asset, helping real estate
0: deals, hundreds of millions in loans. That
2: constitutes a real threat to national security.
0: Would you like to come over for dinner tonight? Just the two of us? Nobody gets treated as unfairly as I do. It's disgraceful. Uh, Sir, I need loyalty. I expect. Okay, we're off to the races.
3: Um, Alright, so, hello gang. It's chapo Trap House. We're back again. As promised, it's your midweek episode, and we'll be discussing in its entirety... Showtime's new miniseries, "The Comey Rule," about James Comey and the FBI meeting their ultimate demise at the hands of one Donald Trump. Um, there's, a, there's a lot to talk about in this movie. I think we, we have uh, some varied opinions on on this miniseries here. But uh, before we kick it off, I guess we should uh, briefly discuss uh, Tuesday night's debate. Um, I mean, not not much to say here, but you know, what, gentlemen, what were your uh, overall impressions of the debate?
1: I mean, look, those are just the two most qualified guys. I don't see how you can argue that. They beat Matt, out the rest of their field. Matt, I, it
3: was your birthday on Tuesday, and I feel like this debate was like the perfect birthday present for you.
0: Oh, it absolutely was, because I spent the whole time feeling like uh, I was in a, my head was in a cage with rats gnawing on it, but then by the end of it, I was free. I was free because I realized, oh, There is no content to anything these guys say because they don't know why they're saying anything. They have no idea what's coming out of their mouths. So you don't have to care or try to figure out what it means because they don't even know what it means. My favorite thing repeatedly was is that one of them would try to get the other one to, like, answer a question. And you would see them freeze up and get kind of glassy-eyed. And not because they were trying to think of an answer. It's because they were trying to remember what the question was.
1: Yeah, I liked, I liked how during the first half of the, like in the first two minutes, I was like, oh, Joe's got this in the bag. They have him on the good vibe bands But then about three minutes in, I think he shit his pants and was just shambling around the stage, just staring at his podium. Awful. But that like, so for about an hour, I was like, oh my God, Trump's destroying him. But then Trump got to do his thing without interrupting Joe. And interrupting Joe is the only way he looked non senile because it's like, oh, he's still a mean bitch. But then when he talked for like I- in unrestrained like two minutes, it was like, oh, he's just as senile.
0: Yep.
1: <laughs> because he he freestyle. Yeah, he freestyled and it was like I forget what it was, but it was similar content to like you know the windmills or the cows or the
3: forest cities. Gonna, they
1: have to forest rake leaves. Is no, so they're, good. They're, the, the leaves. No, the leaves the leaves, well, you, you, gotta, you, gotta the leaves. The, you gotta clean the floor you gotta clean the floor of the forest and it's like i, I guess the most amazing like i can't get mad at either guy it's like <laughs> it's like getting mad at an untrained dog for shitting on the kitchen table either. it's true but i did get mad, like the next day going on like it made me so mad to see people's reactions to it because it's like when people went um Joe Biden stood up to a bully last night. It's like <laughs> No he is didn't. Is that
0: what you say? Is that
1: what you saw? <laughs> or did you see the two dumbest old pieces of shit in the nation just like recite Markov scripts to each other? I saw one of the most depressing and funny things I've ever it seen. It was amazing. Yeah, I But like that like that anyone read anything into that beyond like, oh, we're doomed. Is yeah, a hilarious reflection of partisanship.
3: No, I mean, I, I, uh, Virgil, I want your thoughts, but like, I, I think it, it doesn't bear analyzing any of the things that were said. As Matt said, they didn't even know what they were talking about up there. They were fucking, know, you know, they, they, was, their brains were dying on TV. I mean, the only like, reaction to sum up this debate, like the only thing that, like, the, the meaning to draw from this is... Uh, America must be destroyed like like we must be tamed with fire a a (laughs) no-fly zone needs to be like imposed over Washington DC like this is it this is it folks like like it's all it's all led to this it can't go on it shouldn't go on every other country in the world needs to like blockade this country and just just regime change us now because
1: Governor Pritzker take your birthright as king of the Midwest (laughs) I will serve you secede
0: yeah, we need to break we need to just go our separate ways. That's the only yeah. solution. But well, th- I
1: I do want to say Biden did have one trick that I thought was very good. Well, and it showed that he has one trick left up his sleeves. And it was when Hunter uh Trump was going on about Hunter, right? Hunter for being corrupt and a crackhead. Yes. And Biden went, Oh, you're talking about my son who died? <laughs> and it's like he knew he wasn't, but it's like, Oh, he's still got one. He's still got one up his sleeve.
0: Uh Vir- yep. Virgil. Lacrimose just weepy Irish bullshit about his dead kid. Uh, Virgil, what? Did well, you, that's what did an you interesting.
2: Name? That's an interesting. That's an interesting exchange because you could see in the heat of it, both men trying to figure out how many living children <laughs> Joe Biden has. <laughs> and you know, Trump was obviously more perplexed because he's seen Biden's children probably less than Biden has. But Biden was obviously having a great deal of trouble on this matter because I mean, I don't even know. I don't think his campaign has done a good job communicating how many living children he has. I'm gonna say two. I think he has a daughter and a son. I think it's were the two. two of them
0: at the DNC talking.
2: Hunter, but he could have. And, and, there could be a third one somewhere.
0: I'm not sure.
1: I am in talks with collectors to purchase the third Biden child. <laughs> this is why that was a good Biden move, is because Trump, like Trump, is such an ogre that even if Biden cynically like pretending he was talking about Bo. Like any, like Mitt Romney, Marco Rubio, if they were like, no, I, I, I am very sorry for your son's law, for your son's death, and I honor his service. But Trump was like, "What do you mean? I'm not talking about your fucking dead kid." <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's such a fucking ogre that that actually worked for Joe. Joe, like mm-hmm. Joe, telegraphed putting a banana peel on the <laughs> uh, on Trump's path like a year in advance, and Trump still stepped over it.
3: I mean, I, I just like you know. Uh, there's there's a lot of post debate reactions that are that are trying to do like this was the most disgusting display ever. Uh, you know, focus groups done mm-hmm. at, like you know mm-hmm. night of of the debate showed that I think for the Frank Luntz's for the first time ever the majority of undecided voters that he polled in his little like focus group uh, said that they weren't going to vote. That they were like that was that was. The new one, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I, I don't want to blame. I don't want to blame. I don't want to blame this on the American people because it does seem like you know, like people do have a good enough sense of what they're seeing on TV to just be like, oh, like uh, this is what's on offer. Like, no thanks, I'm out. Fuck this. Um, but you know, there's a lot of like dumb both sidesism about you know, like oh, this was this was the worst disgrace yet. Like, America has never been. Like, we've never been this ashamed to be a country to, like, have that play out Mm -hmm. on a national stage. And, you know, it should be noted, like, as, as repulsive as it was, I mean, this was, you know, largely Trump's fault for being who he is, which is, we'll be talking about it when we get into the Comey role, just a... A, a a breathy pilled up um rape beast. I mean that that's that's who Trump is, and you know he behaved accordingly. But I do have to say it was repulsive to see Joe Biden, uh, you know, flail and, and try to get across with this shit. I mean, like he's the guy who's supposed to be the opposition. He's the guy who's supposed to represent us, the people, good people, and he fucked it up incredibly. I mean, like are you telling me that there's not a single other Democratic candidate. Who could who the the DNC could have done a better job with than this asshole? I mean, I know they like they had to kill Bernie, right? But like for this guy to lead to this, he was moment, the only one
0: that could get uh, uh he could only he was the only one who had any buy in outside of the rabid weirdos who care about early primaries. Nobody in America gave a shit about Mayor Pete or Amy Klobuchar or Elizabeth Warren. It was Bernie or the guy. Hey, you remember Obama? We liked him. That's Which it. Is-
1: yeah, it's amazing because Amy would have crushed Trump at this. She would have crushed Trump. I don't know, Trump.
0: man. I don't know.
1: No, yeah, she would have. Come on. Trump this was not 2016 Trump.
0: Well, that's true. He's clearly like more insane and, and less coherent and uh, yeah. uh, lacked even the ability to do the minimal uh the minimal discipline to pick when to disrupt. Yeah. Cuz like he he like the fact that he just couldn't stop himself it really lost over time. It it killed his, his alpha thing that started off when he was just rolling over uh, Biden.
1: Yeah. He seemed like a fussy bitch, which is what he is. But like, you know, in 2016, it was enough of a, it was enough of a novelty that people are like, Oh, this guy's cool. And not just like, Oh, he's a fat old guy from New York who loves magazines. But, uh, (laughs) the, uh, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I generally think Biden's chances are decent, but here's my th- my fear, is that two more of these, right?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: And I don't know. I remember – it's probably too late in the game for Trump, right? But if Trump does two more of these where it's like – like all right-wing culture war stuff, the, the, uh, the goal is not to win. The goal is to create such a shitstorm. And to drag everyone down with you. Yeah. That most people are like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. Which is like right.
2: Yeah. To make it, the, the, to make the discourse so alienating to the average right, person.
1: Right, right. Which is right for a lot of people. But it's to encourage his base to like beat down undecided and to make the other person look as shitty as you do. I think he had to. His biggest obstacle is obviously COVID. Like life sucks for everyone. That's the biggest obstacle for him. But the other issue is he didn't start doing this quick enough. Like, if he started doing this at the RNC, I think we'd have a complete ball game here. But the RNC was just like, it was like the Marco Rubio RNC. It fucking sucked. Uh, I don't think he set the tone quick enough, but Biden is so shot and doing such a shitty job, and his team is filled with so many losers that yep. I still, there's a, it's still a part in the back of my mind that's like, I, I don't know. If this is in the back. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Honestly, maybe maybe I'm worrying for nothing.
0: Well, my maybe it's too instinct, late in the game. What, my main instinct with it is that Trump is so clearly the candidate of escalating like frenzy and mania and political stakes for everybody and emotional energy. I think that people don't not enough people like that. Like we're not at a point. Like there's still water coming out of the taps. You know, you can still get. Uh, you can still get the Popeye's chicken sandwich if you want it for $3 in this country. I don't think there's enough people who are like, yes, four more years of this, which everyone knows has got to lead to some sort of mass violence because it's just too high a register to keep at. It's You can't have the ar- alarm running nonstop. I think people are going to be like, yeah, no, let's just settle down a little bit. And yeah. Biden is the guy okay. who's going to be there to just like everyone calm down a little bit we don't th- th- really th- th- want a civil war. Come on, that's that's what makes
1: me worried. Is because yeah, I like everyone else. I favor Biden to win, but it's like, oh Jesus Christ! Imagine him four years from now. That's the thing. When, the, when things thing aren't effect. that yet, yeah, when things aren't that much better. Yeah. Oh my God. That's why I think we'll say oh, more than scary. anything is
0: that like Trump's Trump's entire presentation and and everything he says, whether he knows what he's saying or not, is received by people as this pavlovian like note that that is just driving him in the insanity either of rage at him or rage on his behalf and i just don't think enough people in america are like yes i want to i want to stand in front of a fucking walmart and get shot by somebody
1: like, No, yeah yeah i mean uh, but i was just saying like Biden, like i have trouble imagining biden running this campaign four years from now i know that we all say like they're gonna swap him out if they get him in there what but- do you mean like Biden's gonna get elected, he won't run for a second term. They'll put like, the, they'll institute the first American fucking. It'll, it'll be like the Augustus Pompeii a triumvirate
3: of some sort Marco, of people. Yeah, of triumvirate. Kamala, yeah, Pelosi. Whatever. They'll
1: that, do a Pete, like Amy, Kamala, or whatever. Who cares? Yeah. But like the the general idea among like some Democrats is like, all right, he's gonna win this term, then he'll step down. But how many? Plans from Democrats, have you heard where it's like, all right, that's the I guess that's a smart thing to do. They never fucking do it. And we end up running like an 83 year old Biden in 2024. (laughs) And it's like I am very worried about what happens in 2024 when things aren't that much better and they run this fucking guy.
0: Okay. They will run him in the Captain Pike machine, front, like the, the wheelchair <laughs> thing from Star Trek. And yeah, he'll just, yeah. just right. speak in beeps.
3: Okay, so we are we are on the cusp of uh, another election, but I think it's now time for us to go back in time to the last election. Let's go back um, in to time. to return to sort of Chapo season one to season two, that 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 glorious moment we all lived through, and v- view that period of history through um, uh, an, an, another movie that's come out. Uh, we're talking, of course, about the Comey role on Showtime, the two part miniseries based on James Comey's book, A Higher Loyalty, that was uh, starring uh, Jeff Daniels as Jeff, uh, James Comey and Brendan Gleeson as uh, Donald Trump. Uh, there's a lot to talk about here. I mean, uh, I have a lot of thoughts about this. I mean, like this watching this really did sort of like take me back to that season two Chapo era um, um it is the the film is written and directed by billy ray and i I bring that up because uh billy ray wrote the screenplay for richard jewell which we just talked about on this show another movie about the fbi and it is fascinating to view both of these in conjunction and do essentially do two episodes about them one right after the other because in a certain light this movie and what it portrays is the ultimate revenge of Richard Jewell on the FBI. This is Richard Jewell Indeed. part two, Radar's Revenge, where it's just yep. like I, I, spent the, I spent all of Richard Jewell watching that movie grinding my teeth down to the gums just out of my pure hatred for the FBI and these soulless G-men that populate it. And I was just like, fuck these assholes. When are they ever going to get what's coming to them? And lo and behold, they fucking did. And that's what this movie portrays, and it's it's a very hard movie to parse because it's it's hard for me to figure out what the exact like Billy Ray's intent was with this, like what we're where the audience is supposed to take away from it, and maybe he kept it purposely vague so that you could bring whatever meaning or 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 point of view you have to it, you know, to this material itself. But particularly the second part of this movie was so satisfying for me to watch to see Trump essentially obliterate the good standing. Honor, integrity, and trust of the of the entire evil United States government and the Federal Bureau of Investigation, particularly.
0: Yeah. You get you get they he spends all this time building this building this institution up through the, the through the fart huffing of the people who make it up and then just knocks all the pins over with one giant orange ball.
1: I um yeah, I, I had a different point of view on this. I don't think the problem was the writing at all. I thought the writing was very good and really funny at parts though. Uh, Billy Ray did have the advantage of working with direct transcripts of Trump, which were all hilarious. Yes. I think the problem probably lies in directing. I, I had trouble with a lot of the latter half of the second episode in particular because I felt like the director and the screenwriter were on two different pages. I well, felt the like same the director.
3: Guy. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, just, it's Billy Ray wrote and directed uh, the, both of these.
1: That's an interesting choice because – during the second episode, I think I picked up an entirely different thing than you guys did, where I felt like it was beating me over the head with this idea that James Comey was this, the last honorable man in D.C.
0: Right, these, yeah, yeah, exactly. But the point is, is that what I drew from it anyway, is that's necessary because he's the last honorable man from D.C., and it doesn't fucking matter. It, like, even if you take, you, like, he doesn't uh, subvert the myth like the liberal myth of Comey or, like, the FBI or, like, America's, uh, you know, governing institutions, he just shows that even on their own terms, they are failures, and they cannot do what... And if they cannot do anything, then all of the, 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 the adulation these guys have for themselves and their institutions is absolutely hollow.
1: I guess I just think that stuff would have worked better if it was more... If there was less, like, orchestral swelling. Maybe that yeah. was part of the joke. Yeah. Maybe that it's, was part of the joke, but, it's, like...
3: it's Like I said, it's it's difficult to sort of assess, like, what the intention here is. Because, like, I viewed it as, like, an incredibly funny dark comedy about, like, James Comey going from being, like, the world's best Boy Scout to the most hated man in the world who has to pretend he's friends with, like, the most evil man in the world in front of, like, a global stage. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, there, there are these touches that, like, seem to suggest that you're supposed to sympathize with Comey and the Crossfire Hurricane investigation and all the sainted, you know, civil servants at the FBI and Department of Justice who have had their careers destroyed by Donald Trump. But... We'll, we'll, we'll parse this out by going through the, the, the whole film. I have, I have copious notes to prepare. So th- th- this is the homie rule. Um, it begins with Stephen Colbert. It begins with a clip from the Stephen of Colbert course. show where he's just like, Great. he's like, uh, he goes, Funnier than ever. Uh, hey, he's like, this James Comey guy, is he is he a good guy or the bad guy? Or did he have to pretend to be the bad guy in order to do something good? Oh, my God. Is James Comey
0: Severus Snape?
1: Yes sir.
3: Yes sir.
1: I don't I
0: don't get it. It's from it's uh it's from the Hunger Games I think. So yeah,
1: Severus Snape was uh he was sort of the Vegeta of uh Lord of the Rings.
2: Um, so he's saying call me, he's like a, a a guy from a, a program. Yes, from a yes. Film. Yeah.
1: And
3: character. children's
1: okay. children's program.
3: So uh one of the first things you see is the a uh, slogan engraved on the Department of Justice that says where law ends tyranny begins. <laughs> And you know, like says the, the, no, it says no fat chicks. <laughs> uh, and you know, like uh, th- this foreshadows a lot of the movies, um, sort of uh, anxiety or hope that um, our institutions in America and our laws are bigger than any one man, and that, like, despite how how miserable and awful Trump has debased this country, uh, eventually he'll be gone, and what will last are literally the buildings themselves. That is said it multiple times in the movie where they're like people are just like as they're getting fired and let out the door because <laughs> because they've gotten too close to uh, Donald Trump's uh, criminality, they're like, you know, go outside and take a look at the buildings down this street. Take really take it in because like that they're what matter. Like they the, they are yeah. they're the rock, they are the foundation of this country and like they will go on regardless of this 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 fraud this imposter in the white house and yeah i don't, that, I don't know Jabba
1: juice has <laughs> been here since 2007 <laughs> yeah um
3: so it and it begins with um rod rosenstein the deputy attorney general played by scoot mcnary and he is sort of the uh, the greek chorus to this story uh the movie begins it's like a sort of in in more closer to the present and it's it's rod rosenstein uh, telling like a like a Justice Department assistant or intern or something, the story of how he got to this moment, and he's telling James Comey's story, and you know, it, sort of like implying that like he he regards Comey as like a showboater, and he has a sort of a, a bitterness about James Comey and how things have ended up. So it's like you know, it sort of situates yourself in in this more present moment, and then it jumps back in time to before the election. It's like six years ago from Rod Rosenstein clearing out his desk. And it begins with, you know, James Comey as director of the FBI. And it portrays him as this, like, ultimate straight arrow fucking, you know, just the ultimate Boy Scout imaginable. And he's giving a, yeah. a, a pep talk here uh, to, uh, like, you know, like, like the, his FBI division. like uh, when Obama, So Obama gets in office and he, he, he wants Comey to stay on. And one of the first things you hear about Comey is he's like, oh, I don't know, I was a George W. Bush guy. And you know like, this is very important cuz like this movie is portraying essentially a whole bunch of like republican voting cops who have now become heroes of the resistance because uh, Donald Trump stitched them up. And Obama's just like, "Well, okay, can we talk about the guy that got to play Obama cuz he oh god, he, yeah, he he's he had the Obama he, he had the Obama voice down very well and some of his mannerisms, but the actor was probably 25 years old. It was a mad TV ass Obama. <laughs>
1: yeah. It was like – I felt like I was watching one of those early Obama-era skits where Obama's like, uh, another thing, uh, long cat is long. (laughs) One of those – or like one of those conservative ones where he's like, uh, can you stop doing your abortion in here? I need to have gay sex with my man-wife Michelle. So
2: this was fine for 2008 Obama where he still like looked like a young guy. Yeah. But then I think they shoot the next scene – featuring him which is t- taking place in 2016 with just no makeup or costume changes just just use the same obama it's fine where he's supposed to be like 55 and like obama's gray-haired and like clearly an old man now
3: so yeah like a uh, uh, comey gets up and he's been called into the oval office and you know he's nervous about it he's like oh like you know i don't know like i i i was with the other guy's team you know is he is he gonna fire me or is, or can i stay on as director of the fbi and uh, he goes in there and Obama asks him these like fucking job interview questions like, uh, what's your biggest weakness? Uh, what would you say? And he's like, uh, I'm too dedicated to my work at the FBI. And then he says, like, you know, so like, you know, why come back to government? You know, why, why, why not go to the private sector? You know, why stick this out as director of the FBI? And Comey tells the story that we discussed uh, when we when we read his book for this show about how when he was 16, uh, he was home alone with his younger brother. And a man, as he describes it, in a a, a nip cap, uh, a striped shirt, and handlebar mustache broke into our house. No, just kidding. (laughs) He was like the the Hamburglar came into his house. Um, And, you know, he was the sort of like uh, the local rapist who had done a number of (laughs) rapes.
1: Yeah, that's a a job that used to exist before DAFTA.
3: Um, And, you know, he was like, you know, he broke into his house and... You know, he, he, he could even when he after like he left and him and his brother were unharmed, he couldn't get the thought out of his head of like, you know, what if he comes back and the guy was never caught. So uh, this guy was, was like his role. His name is Rolo Talmazi to this guy. He's he's the one that got away. And this is what set him on this life course of uh, protecting people and being a cop. And he says to Obama, you know, money is nice, but stopping bad guys is better. And this is
2: important. You, you have to remember that. Remember this guy. This is very important for the second part of this.
1: This is, yeah. I mean, it's a big deal. I think when Comey wrote his book, that's what he thought, too. He was like, oh, all the Comey heads out there are going to remember the guy who came to my house and tied me to a tearing track that we had in our living room. But uh, there are no Comey heads. And it's... uh, I think we're the only people who remember that from his origin story.
2: Well, it's in the, well, I it it's in the scene. I guess he tells or supposedly tells Obama all this shit to explain his character, which is he hates crime. He's an <laughs> anti crime man.
0: You really about Obama- that. It's not like uh, you know when. Uh- when Jimmy Carter appointed the Joker head of the FBI which was a huge disaster <laughs> that, was, that was a, that a huge was, bungle that was
1: a bungle that was
2: a one-termer that, right uh, one
0: termer bungle right there But things- Obama but he assures Obama Mr.
2: President I hate bad guys I I want to get the bad guys and Obama loves it Obama loves the cut of his jib and, and Obama says well you know well you know Jim you know when, when you're the FBI director and I'm president we can't be friends like this.
3: He's like, yeah, you can't. We can't
2: <laughs> hang out and just talk about how much we dislike crime and bad guys like this. It's it has to be apolitical. Yeah, know. And, and, and Comey's like, that's, o- that's okay, man. I've what- got other friends to talk to about <laughs> crime.
1: Yeah, that that was, and that was a big thing in the Comey book. Uh, when we did that episode, was that he's like, that was that was the subtext of his Obama meeting. Like, Obama's this great guy. We don't agree on everything. You know, I I personally think it's uh, cool to entrap 72 IQ uh, immigrants from Iraq who are 19 years old, asking them if they want to work with a Hamburglar to blow up a bridge, <laughs> and then put them in ADX Florence for the rest of their life. But uh, Obama, you know, believed in the sanctity of the department so much that he's like. Jim, uh, we're never we're never gonna eat fries. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and and that's really important. Like this scene, and like I I have no doubt it's true because you know one of the first things Comey says to Obama is like you know uh, sir you know we we disagree on on certain cr- issues relating to criminal justice. I I particularly believe that uh, harsher penalties and stiffer sentences uh, keep Americans safe because there's a lot of people who. Uh, would have been murdered had their murderers not been in jail for the rest of their life, and you know, and it's sort of like. But I think you're a man who, uh, you know, sort of prospers based on reasonable disagreement among your, you know, cabinet or whatever. Team and, and, of rivals, baby. Yeah, and like, and this just it just brings to my, Like, my immediate thought was like, oh, Obama was a complete moron for letting this asshole stay on this fucking this this, this Bush supporting Republican in his head of the FBI. It's like, of course, it would have led to the situation where he basically helped hand Donald Trump the election. I mean, because, like, you know, the guy's been voting Republican his whole life. Then he's like, well, welcome aboard, Jim. Sorry, we, uh, we can't, yeah. can't talk about Rolo Tomasi in that time. You and your brother are almost uh, raped again. But uh, I'll call you if
1: I need you. So, yeah, Comey, who signed off on a Bush era memo approving of waterboarding, is like, well, you know, we disagree on some things. You've uh, you've personally made this country a far shittier place with your views on crime. but." You know, uh, it was great talking to you. I'll talk to you again in 12 years.
3: So, yeah, like, uh, so, so, so Comey is, uh, he stays on as director of the FBI, or, you know, he's going to be made director of the FBI because Robert Mueller is I think is he's app- he's appointed, right, to
2: replace Mueller. Yeah, yeah 2013. He's,
3: yeah, he's, and then, so, like, uh, then we get to see, he's, like, he's, he's going to the Hoover building, and we get to see uh, Robert Mueller in one scene played by the, the great actor Peter Coyote. And I swear to God, the way he, portray- he portrays Mueller like a complete psycho. Like I like, this. Oh, yeah. like I like, oh yeah, I like, that yeah. yeah. a lot. Like there, there's a scene where he he tells Comey, I don't let any of my people sit down during meetings because I don't want to, I don't want to waste any time with them sitting in a chair and then getting back up again. And then like you know, as he sit, as they're sitting in his office, like some order comes through to like sign off on the the SAC for a regional office, and he's like, oh, give me that, I'll sign it. And then Comey says to him, he's like, well, if this is a a senior staff appointment that I'm going to have to work with, like you know, could I? Can I get a say in this? Can I look at the document you're signing? And then Mueller crumples up the paper and throws it at him and goes, here, (laughs) take it. He's
0: clearly got elder rage. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I did like the courage of portraying Mueller as a senile, demented old piece of shit.
0: Which apparently uh, he was. I mean, not uh, not just from his hilariously terrible Senate testimony, but there was a recent article about the Mueller investigation saying that he was just he was just waddling around in a diaper the whole time. I,
2: I wanted to, I wanted the film to follow Mueller after that scene. I didn't, I was sick of
3: Comey by then. Yeah, Comey a is Mueller, a really a boring Mueller... guy. And, and, and Mueller seemed like, whoa. yeah, exactly. Make a TV show about this guy. He seems out of his fucking mind. A Mueller, like
1: Mr. Magoo show would be very funny. I would really enjoy <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, he's just, uh,
0: he's just blundering past like Russian guys with giant suitcases full of cash. Yeah, him uh, to George Puff, snuffle up, I guess <laughs>
1: That would be that would be hysterical. So, I would love that.
3: So Mother tells him like, you know, uh, he's like my advice for you on, the, on on my way out the door. He says, um, keep your eye on Cyber and I was just laughing, thinking, like, you yeah. know, age, sex, location, you know, got to be careful in these <laughs> chat rooms. You know, he says, keep your eye on cyber. We're vulnerable. He means the he means the Internet. He just means keep it. Check out the Internet sometime. <laughs>
2: you know, Google your name once in a while. Make sure there's nothing weird up there. And then he's- yeah, it was
1: like it was like a video game tutorial. <laughs> James. <laughs> James, check your email for secret messages <laughs> from your grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> James,
3: press start and select to read your messages. So, and the, and then Mueller tells him. He says, uh, "You're part of an organization that is dedicated to doing good." And again, he's talking about the fucking FBI. And like, I just, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get over this because like, I couldn't get it out of my own head. Like, do does Billy Ray and the, and and the producers and, and creators of this or the actors themselves do they think that that's true? Like, did they, did they place any credibility whatsoever into the idea that the FBI is an apolitical organization dedicated to protecting lives and doing good? I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, like, I could not help but watch this movie in the shadow of Richard Jewell, which I think portrayed the FBI as that they actually exist, which is, you know, yeah. an incompetent federal law enforcement agency dedicated to essentially crushing political dissent and letting nine eleven happen. Yeah.
2: Well, the way you know that the film establishes that that Comey is a complete psychotic is, is somewhere around this part. He gives his pep talk to the FBI. Oh, Virgil, that's his so good, speech. And it's do you have notes on this? Yeah, but I, I do. just wrote down. I just wrote down. He says, "You are part of an organization devoted to doing good." And then he says, "I order you to love someone." Yes,
3: yes,
1: yes. Oh my God! Yeah. He's like, yeah. He's,
3: he, he's his first day on the job. He's giving his pep talk to all the troops, and he's like, the the most important thing. He's like, you know, spend time with your family. You got to love someone to love this job. And he says, you know, working here is a privilege. <laughs> working here is a privilege, and it should be a source of joy in your life. And I was watching this with Catherine, and she said that like Comey was like the Marie Kondo of federal law enforcement. Be like, <laughs> does this sting operation uh, spark joy? <laughs> you don't yeah. have to be crazy to work here,
2: but it helps.
1: Do you feel a sense of bliss when shooting Todeschew in the, the chest, <laughs> <laughs> and covering up our gladio operation in Boston?
3: <laughs> and okay, so like, and then so he's he's now director of the FBI, and then uh, Rod the Rod Rosenstein, like flashback narration lets you know that, you know, Comey did everything that the new FBI director is supposed to do, which, in his words, were visiting every regional office, shaking the hands of every janitor, and, quote, playing up the threats from ISIS and Iran. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah that's what there his is, job is. Yeah,
2: there's a montage of shit like, you know, the Iranians are going to hijack another power plant uh, and him, like, arresting New Jersey teenagers who posted, I'm Al-Qaeda on 4chan. Yeah. <laughs> and like, <laughs> he's doing... He's doing great... Until just record scratch, there's a problem with the Secretary of State's emails. Yes, there's a problem
3: yeah. with emails, and you know, like and it introduces like his, his team of guys, and this is the Frank Card universe crossover. We've got the actor Michael Kelly who portrayed Doug on House of Cards as uh, Andrew McCabe, and they're all in their Air like their, they're all in their FBI conference room, and uh, McCabe is going on. Uh, he's like he's like sir. He says quote, an op at a mosque in Detroit is ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like yeah we're ready to entrap these three mentally ill teenagers to uh, get a big win for us on the war on terrorism front and then they're like Virgil is exactly right it's like record scratch sure. a memo comes across they're <laughs> like oh the secretary of state sir, maybe sir, that classified, classified <laughs> information on private email servers
2: sir the FBI mosque is ready to go all the agents can now convert to
3: Islam <laughs> and find joy in their oneness with God and it's so funny because like, like they, they get this this, this huge turd put on their fucking, on their lap. And they're like, Oh God, we have to do something about this now. Oh man, I wish we, I wish we never saw this memo. Can we just get back to doing what we normally do? I.e. Um, playing up the threats from uh, mosques in Detroit and uh, ISIS in America. So, um, you know, uh, did she, did she mishandle classified emails on a, on a private server? And they're like, fuck, no matter what we investigate here, no matter what we turn up, we have to do it. We can't ignore it because then it'll look like we're covering for her. And then anything we, like, come up with in an election year, like, we're screwed. There's no way out of this. Um, I'd also like to point out that we have um, Peter Werner Herzog-Strozik, is played by the actor Stephen Pasquale, who played Mark Furman mm-hmm. on the uh, American Crime Story O.J. Uh, oh, season. right. Yeah, yeah. And then we have uh, Nasty Lisa Page, and they do show uh, her and Peter, Peter Strozik, uh hooking up. The lovely, yeah, the the, lovers. The lovely the lovers. Lisa Page. And she is played by absolute dime Una Chaplin, who you may remember hey, from Chaplin. Game of Thrones as Rob Stark's wife who got uh, slaughtered at the Red Wedding. There is full unsimulated sex you know, in, the, yeah.
2: in the show. In the show. Uh, that, it's a, yeah, it's that, trying to sh- it's trying to show how the, the FBI agents how they're feeling joy. You know, it shows that they're essential humanity. This thirty minute long, you know, full penetration. Scene.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was very weird. Uh, the thirty minute long in real time scene, the James Comey frauding scene. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, and Lisa page is uh she's she's a firecracker she's she's one of the guys yeah you know yeah. she's trying to she's the alpha like boss lady yeah. and she's saying like ah uh, he doesn't have the balls to investigate yeah the and Virgil, Virgil,
3: like uh, yeah. Peter Peter Werner Herzog Strozek um he, he he initially gets hot for Lisa page when they're they're bullshitting at some office due and Lisa Page is like you uh the the commissioner of baseball is a fucking asshole. Either have the designated <laughs> hitter league in both leagues or none at all. What a what a fucking piece of shit. And then he's just Lisa like, pa- Ooh, yeah. hello, this this chick knows about baseball. Can- Boy, yo, 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 Lisa Page. Lisa Page, this is like a very good piece of
1: filmmaking. They cement that this was in twenty uh fifteen because she drops the R bomb. And that was okay to say in twenty fifteen, <laughs> yeah. but not okay in twenty seventeen. <laughs> That's true. And and also very accurately he gets rock hard when he does that which is what any red-blooded male will do when a hot <laughs> yeah. woman, says, oh, the a hot woman word, says
0: the R word you get sprung boing, boing. <laughs> um, so then like she was, I love she, it. was she was uh, reminiscent of Olivia Wilde's character in Richard Jewell she really like was a, a, a ball busting sex pod who, who's not afraid to sleep her way to the top i do like
1: that uh this movie like for whatever issues i have with it it is honest that women are bad at the work. <laughs> yeah, I get him out of there.
2: I still don't know who Lisa Page is.
0: <laughs> well, you, you whole the okay. movie. I still have no idea. I
2: know she's. I. I mean, I know she's an FBI lady, but I don't. No, but she's this not. Is,
0: she wasn't. She was. Uh, was the, oh Jesus Christ! No, okay. she was a lawyer with the Justice Department. Was part of the team because there's always got to be like a, a federal prosecutor who they're working with to build the case. Okay. Okay, right. so she was a federal prosecutor. Yes. Yes. I, 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 Peter, yeah, uh, Strosik was the FBI guy.
1: I got, I, I, got this. I got this. All right, buckle up, shit cunt. <laughs> uh, here, here's the fuckadoodle news about who the motherfuck Lisa M F Page is, and yeah, that guy Peter Strizic, who's like the guy in your MFA who's always uh,
2: <laughs> eating, eating
1: soup too loudly. <laughs> okay, so Lisa Page is like is like WAP mixed with Taylor Swift, uh, <laughs> with, a little, with a little bit of uh, uh, Irish coffee poured in. Yeah, she celebrates St. Paddy's Day. Peter Strozak knows Glenn Simpson, who contacted Fusion GPS about, uh, about uh. Nellie Orr, who Bruce Orr claimed to have not talked to, but actually Nellie Orr talked to Oleg Derpina, and Oleg Derpina is the one who told <laughs> Michael Flynn to delete his Snapchats with the Russian foreign minister, who then told uh, Matt Forney to write an ebook about
2: Donald Trump. I still so, don't know. It's, I still don't know Lisa Pages. Does it, but, but OK, how about this? How's the simple one? Is she good or bad?
3: Well, uh, she's a baddie, sure. Virgil. She's a baddie, no doubt. Because she helps Trump? No, no she,
1: she she's, she's one of Trump's up, okay. enemies. Yeah, she fucks up the investigation against Trump. By getting dicked down by Peter Stork.
0: <laughs> but isn't she a resistance hero? Yes. She is. She is. She is. Why? Because, because she got uh, fired. She did, tweet, she did text with Storzik where she said that Trump sucked and that they wanted to, to get rid of him, which is one of the things that Trump points to as proof that oh. there's some sort of witch hunt conspiracy in the FBI to undermine his election.
3: So, like, uh, they, they realize they, they, have the, they have this turd that they need to flush down the bowl. In a, in a timely manner uh, before the election and in a way that will essentially keep everyone's hands clean. And in Comey's mind, at the forefront of all of his decisions is this the idea that, like, I have to protect the integrity and independence of the FBI from, like, any appearance of political uh, manipulation or malfeasance, right? So at the exact same time that they're looking into Hillary Clinton's email servers, they get another another fucking uh, scoop comes across the FBI wire. And they're like, oh... Uh, just so you know also uh, we 're getting a lot of we 're getting a lot of intel we 're getting a lot of sig int about russia, and uh, apparently they 're on Love facebook when that happens. yeah they 're on Facebook doing memes and then like the the the, the movie sort of like um, it introduces the two tracksuit guys, like the two Russian guys in America who are in charge of the Facebook op. And they're like, oh, oh, oh yeah, oh, boy. They're, oh. Like, they're like these two guys and like these two shady Russian guys. And like they're speaking in Russian and they're like, uh, I did a trial run of a meme that said Hillary Clinton has AIDS on Twitter and it got 300,000 likes <laughs> uh, they're, on, on Facebook. There's millions. It's, it's it's twilight and they're sitting across from the,
2: the Jefferson Memorial and it, you know, it has the sinister music. And it's like every foreign movie, you know, bad guys meeting, you know, at a park bench. Except instead of one of them handing a briefcase full of uranium to the other, he pulls out his phone and just starts showing Facebook posts he made that are like Hillary has AIDS (laughs) and bragging about how many clicks he got. And then my my favorite part of this is he lowers his voice. He's just talking about Facebook. You know, we have the 200,000 Facebook click. And then he lowers his voice when a family walks by.
1: That's... Virgil, I really like this part because, yeah, it's played like a very uh, high-stakes espionage scene. But it's essentially two guys mutually blowing up the, each other's favor. It's,
2: yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, the home, it's home halfway meeting with Kyle Plant <laughs> check out Check out the hardware I got on this one. I, follow I, these, I, follow I, these wonderful gaps. <laughs> <laughs> Prepare for phase
1: four. We are retweeting Will Arnett into weird Twitter.
2: And all I could remember from all I could think here is, wait a minute, did anyone ever establish if it's a crime to make Facebook posts? It's, has that? Has, is that not, has anyone no. ever shown that? Yes, you. Literally, if you're a foreign national, you can't post that Hillary has AIDS on Facebook. This is a, a a federal offense and a violation of national security. You, we will send you to Gitmo for this shit.
1: That's like, yeah, that's like something that somebody who gets on an argument in a forum says. <laughs> oh, you're, you're posting. You're posting at me from England. It's actually illegal for you to post in America. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to prison, pal.
2: <laughs> So, and I've never, like, the outside of a comedy. I've never seen this done, like, a scene that's all dressed up to be this ominous when it's like, you know, there's not
3: actually a crime at the bottom of this. So, um, so like, you know, as the backdrop, the, the, these these memes are proliferating, and the FBI is like, "Ooh, better keep an eye on this." But you know, the they're, 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 the primary focus at the moment is is trying to determine whether Hillary uh, or anyone around her committed any crimes in their. Uh, er erroneous handling of classified government material on private email servers and you know like uh, they're, they're frustrated by clinton's legal team who they accuse of slow walking everything and then sort of in conjunction with the justice department being allowed to uh sort of run out the clock on this investigation and we also we get we get a detail that um hillary clinton's lawyer was a guy named david kendall who uh used to be the boss of just about everyone in the justice department and apparently these the guy the, the federal prosecutors like imbued with the authority of the United States federal government um cried when they talked to this guy about Hillary's emails because he was so mean and intimidating to them. And I was just like He's what mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like wow, it is so funny. Just like when the just Leviathan-like powers of state turn to absolute fucking like just snowflakes because uh, what their their boss or the guy who's going to give them their next job is just like rude to them on the phone. I mean, it, it's a, it's a really stacked deck when you're someone like Hillary Clinton. All right, so so, so then we're introduced to uh, the Justice Department characters, including uh, Sally Yates, who was played by the the great Holly Hunter, and Loretta Lynch. Who is played by the actress who portrayed Avon Barksdale's sister and DeAndre's mother on the wire? Um, and you know like uh, this is Comey complaining about uh, the the sort of slow walking of the uh, Hillary Clinton email investigation. And at this point, uh, Comey's deputy, a guy named Mark Giuliano has uh, is is collecting on uh, his his pledge to retire because he's like, you know, sir." I I took your order seriously. I have to love my wife and I have to spend time with my family. So I need to go. And on his way out the door, he warns Comey about Andrew McCabe because he has too much swag. And he says to, he says to McCabe Mm -hmm. like his, his unsolicited advice is he says the FBI is a lunch pail culture and you drive a Porsche and have cufflinks so you need to watch your swag in this building, and you know McCabe sort of blows it off, and then he warns Comey about Lisa Ann Page, and he basically just says mm. she's <laughs> she's trouble. Watch out for her; she causes drama. Uh, we also
2: this is also where we properly meet Rod Rosenstein, who's just a huge dipshit.
1: <laughs> I love I he's love a Rosenstein.
2: Tremendous, he's just like suck up fucking pussy. Who, who goes up to Comey and just snivelingly just asks him, will you give a speech on leadership <laughs> to
0: my unit? I've heard <laughs> you're really so big on leadership.
1: The only guy to ever ask him that, by the way. The only guy in D.C. who, like, when he saw James Comey, wasn't like, oh,
2: shit. So, like, 40%, I mean, I'm sorry, Like, there's like 40 minutes of just them doing the email shit. And it's, like, exactly as boring as everyone remembers it. It's exactly as boring and inconsequential as the right made it out to be back when... It was the right talking about the, 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 the fucking, uh, uh, conspiracy, uh, bullshit, uh, where it was, you know, it, this was their Russia shit. And I think, I guess that the, the film is trying to make it out, uh, trying to juxtapose these interminable, boring conversations about Hillary Clinton's emails with this, this ominous, this, 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 this the, these rumblings of illegal Russian Facebook posts. So as to say that, oh, no, while the FBI was wasting their time with this email server shit, they should have been focused on the the real
3: deal, which is Russians saying that Hillary has AIDS on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and Virgil, I mean, you, I mean, like the, the, the part one of this was it was it was so fucking boring. And there was like I was I was really just dis- I mean, I don't know what I was expecting because the material it's discussing is like you said, is like watching, you know, paint fuck. It's like it's. It's really fucking boring, and I don't care about any of these but characters.
2: There, there are three at, at this part. There are three genius scenes that take place. One is Comey visits the Pulse shooting. Okay, that's
3: says, what I was going to mention, Virgil.
2: He says, "Assemble the first responders. I want to thank them."
3: Yeah, that was. <laughs> I was going to bring that up because, like, uh, he, up until that scene, everything was really boring, and then out of nowhere, it like it's a camera crawling along the floor after, like, just going over body after body. And I was like, well, wait, what is going on here? Did anyone die in this bullshit? And then I realized that, like, oh, my God, they're portraying the aftermath of, like, one of the worst mass shootings in American history. And Comey himself is, like, standing on the blood-soaked floor looking at, like, 50 fucking dead bodies strewn apart. And he's like, once again, the FBI, he's like, uh, couldn't stop this from happening, but uh, if there's a janitor here, I'd like to shake his hand for doing such a good job. And it was like that to me was the filmmakers trying to imbue this incredibly boring, inconsequential material with like something with real world stakes in a way that I found a little like sort of offensively gratuitous. Well, then then there was
2: and this is probably my this is probably my favorite scene in the entire film. And I I actually I clipped this and I put this online, but it was uh, Michael Flynn meeting Vladimir Putin.
1: That was hilarious. I have a problem with the Michael Flynn portrayal, though.
2: I have a problem with all the portrayals in this scene.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Putin one, like, you could get into that. But the Michael, the guy they had play Michael Flynn, just, I think he's a good character actor, but he was not playing Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn isn't doughy. Michael Flynn has a fucking Olmec head, and he also is a hysterically intense psychopath, not, like... An avuncular old man who's like I, I don't know. I think
3: they they if could have, could have got then. Bill
0: Sadler if they could have got Bill Sadler circa Di- uh, Die Hard Two when he's yes. doing nude Tai Chi. Yes, yes. Matt, yes. Matt, that's Michael I, Flynn. They,
3: they they cast William Sadler uh, as General Flynn, and essentially he plays General Flynn like the incompetent version of the character he does in Die Hard Two, who's like the the ruthless yeah. uh, mil, right wing military psycho. But the scene with him and Putin. Yeah is like he's being paid to speak at like some, the the art the Russia Today gala in Moscow and like this sort of like a yeah. awards dinner yeah. and Putin says to him he's like uh, right this way General Flynn Jill Stein is seated next to you at your table. <laughs> yeah.
2: And Julian Assange is going to host it via webcam. <laughs> that, yeah, that part- This is this is that thing that wait a minute that nobody gives a shit about except like the Russia Gate lunatics who keep posting like there you have it folks Jill Stein sitting next to Michael Flynn that that, the fix is in
1: they love that they didn't shut up about that for three years Michael Flynn and uh, uh, Julia Fox sitting at the same table (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but it was that part is hilarious to me because it's like why why would that be the person that Putin tells Flynn about like is he like oh I know that you love Jill Stein
0: yeah there's nothing a <laughs> uh, a rahoa psycho like uh, <laughs> Matt uh, Flynn is going to love more than the Green Party candidate for president
3: yeah. Yeah, like, all this is going on, and, like, there, there's a lot going on. We get George Snuffleupagus is, is talking to some Australian ambassador about how, oh, you know, we, we have all the dirt on on Hillary Clinton. And then, like, it, like, like uh, the FBI becomes aware of the Steele dossier, and, like, th- this is one of the most ludicrous aspects of this movie, and I think it's erroneous presentation of the historical record, is that they're still playing up the Steele dossier like it was something that wasn't complete bullshit, and it becomes a huge part of part two.
1: Yeah, that's, okay, that's exactly the thing. Like, if I, I wish I could be with you guys all the way on this being a comedy, but I feel like for it to be more explicitly played as a comedy, they should have had Christopher Steele as a character and portrayed him as what he is, a fucking bullshitter. Or at least have it ambiguous. The fact that they didn't have Steele deflated a lot of the comedy of that aspect. of I the don't
0: think the thing. first one was supposed to be funny at all. That's the thing, though. The first night is not funny. And I think I, I respect the the discipline of of just blowing up this balloon for 90 minutes so that Trump can show up and just pop the fuck out of it. So I
1: guess. I mean, like I would have liked stealing the second half. Then. So,
0: there, I mean, like, there, there, there's a lot more stuff. We
3: we should we should we should get to the second part. But essentially, like, yeah. it, it, it all it, it's all leading to this moment of Comey giving the press conference about why they're. Not going to pursue charges against Hillary Clinton because they have yeah. investigated this for a year and found that essentially what she did was irresponsible, but you know, not criminally prosecutable. And then so like, then it shifts where they're like, okay, now we can, now we can focus on Russia and Russia, yeah, yeah. like cultivating Trump as this asset. And like their, their goal is to get him in the White House. And they're going to do that through memes and through Compromat on Trump and his inner circle, right? Right, and then and they do, and then, but then Anthony motherfucking Wiener shows up, the absolute posting legend, and fucks it all up again, and the FBI realizes that oh shit. Uh, when they, when they clone Anthony Weiner's hard drive, they find that he has over 400,000 classified emails on it, and including Hillary's Blackberry wah, wah. account, including Hillary's Blackberry account, which the initial investigation, which led to them not pursuing charges against her, didn't have. So then they're like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, it's 15 days before the election, what are we gonna do? And Comey's once again put in this position where he's like, okay, all, all the options are bad. But what I'm going to do, even though it's totally unprecedented for the director of the FBI to like make a solo press conference about an ongoing investigation or, re, or in this case, reopening an investigation, I'm going to go ahead and do it either because it's the least bad option that will leave the FBI most the honor of the FBI most untouched, and then just totally misreads like the political nature of the moment and this decision, and it just is so steadfast in his belief that like nobody could possibly question his loyalty or higher purpose to uh, things above politics and things like elections. And he's like, we can't play favorites even though they sort of know that they're putting themselves in the position of someone who's going to give a huge fucking win to Donald Trump like a week before the election. And what do they do? They do it. <laughs> they, they do it. He does, the, he does the press conference to exonerate Hillary and then issues a memo saying that they're reopening the investigation like 10 days before the election. So then, like, and then there's some funny shit where like Comey's own family is starting to turn on him. Like his wife, his wife and daughters are like super excited for Hillary, and they're like, "Dad, don't do it, please, please don't do your job." There was this (laughs) really,
2: there was this really funny part where this is like midway through, where uh, uh, Comey is still thinking about whether to put Hillary in in Supermax prison for email crimes, and he's just in uh, church with his wife, and his wife just complete icy. To him, and his wife's talking to his daughter. His daughter says, you know, Mom, who's going to win the election? And she says, Donald Trump's going to win the election. <laughs> and she and the daughter's like, uh, but uh, oh, but why? Why? He's Donald, He's bad. He's the bad guy. His mom goes, yeah, but he's a man, and men stick together. Isn't that right, James?
1: <laughs> yes, sir. So, yeah, there's, is
3: there's the dudes. <laughs> this is the dudes rock election. There's nothing you well, can do about mean, it. Well, I mean, you know, his, his wife and daughters are trying to get him to uh, you know, abrogate his duty to the Constitution and to the, the Federal Bureau of Investigation. This is a running thing that his daughter's crying <laughs> yes.
2: constantly because Hillary's because Hillary lost and his daughter's blaming him for all the all the email shit.
3: So, I mean, like, the, the thing I want to sum up about the first half of this, and, like, I'm not saying I believe this, but, like, taking at face value the case that is presented in this movie, the FBI believed at the time that Donald Trump was an active asset of the GRU who was working to subvert the, the, the 2016 election to put him in the White House to fulfill their agenda and undermine the national security of the United States on behalf of a foreign adversary. They believed all that, and they still were like, yeah. oh, it's actually uh, more important that we uh, do, do, this, do this memo about Hillary's emails. They're like, we just have to do it. Right. Oops, we let the guy who we all know is a Russian asset become president what's of the united states oops what's interesting is this is a pretty pivotal point and i realize that the, that they're taking some
2: liberties with it you know like about what the fbi knew and when sure whatever i mean we we know that they they had these suspicions and that they were like looking into things like manafort and flynn and like these top trump campaign guys who had connections with the the undifferentiated mass that we know as the russians but the film spends precious little time actually establishing this there's like maybe one scene where they just, you know, they go over the details. That's their fucking, that's their Twitter thread. That's their game theory thread. And that's it. And for the rest of it, we, we just all appreciate that Trump is a full Russian asset.
1: Yeah, there's uh, one scene of Flynn on the phone with the Russian uh, foreign minister or the ambassador. And uh, it, it's played up like it's this incredible, uh, unprecedented step. It's complete corruption It's proof that everyone's a Russian asset. It's proof that Donald Trump's parents were the illegals from the Americans. <laughs> but it's like, I always thought that was insane, because it's like, Michael Flynn was an awful guy and shouldn't have worked as NSA. But like, so he made the phone call two weeks earlier. That was the yeah. entire issue. What they're That's saying what is, if, if, he, if, he wait, if he had
3: waited for like the minute of the inauguration of Trump, putting his hand on that Bible and saying "I do," I will marry the United States of America. Like then, everything he said on that <laughs> that call would be totally above board. And it's just like, yeah. It, it, so it's like they, they did this thing, and like there's there's a great scene of all the guys in like the 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 crossfire hurricane investigation, which is the hilarious name that they gave for all of this, watching the election returns and just being like. Did I? Are, are we partly responsible for this? And like, and then like, did we play into Russia's hands? <laughs> yeah, and it's just like
0: on oh, your. I'm Russia not saying I believe this, emails. but like
3: on their own terms, they let themselves get played by the fucking the the GRU and like Vladimir Putin. They right. absolutely played into. Well, his they, hands. that's also. I mean, it's such a pivotal thing, right, to establish
2: that Trump is a Russian agent, and they're just so blasé about it. And when they're talking about the Steel Dossier, we know like a lot of the Steel Dossier shit's been discredited, but they just they just lay it out on the table and say, Well, you know, they've got this piss tape and he's been getting these loans from Russian banks. So I and, and I'm just thinking, like, okay, so which is it? Is it that they have him like getting pissed on and that's why he's gonna break up NATO? Or is it that he's getting these loans from Russia so he's in hock to them? I mean, or it's, that he it's wants everything. to build a hotel in Moscow. Like what what is the what's who what's the motivation? What's the hook here? And so it's just yeah, so it's just like, here's all the shit. And like, we're just going to bore you with it until you're just like, yeah, fine, whatever. He's a Russia. He's a Russia guy. There is one scene that I just completely fell asleep during where they say, you know, they're they're like someone like Lisa Page is like, well, what's the big deal if he's a Russian agent? And like someone, you know, the the sober resistance fucking FBI guy has to explain, well, actually, he's going to Russia is going to do something with Ukraine and there's a NATO thing. Like, so this matters. okay? this is really important stuff. And you would think that since he wins the fucking election and the whole second part of it is his presidency, you'd think they would show the Russia stuff, right? Like, he's a Russian agent. He's doing the Kremlin's bidding. Anyway, here's the stuff that happened because of that. No, yeah. Here's them um, taking down the American fucking street signs and putting up in Cyrillic. There's a choice you could make here where it's like actually tensions
1: ratcheted up in a lot of cases. There were some cases where there was a detente, some cases where tensions ratcheted up, where there were new sanctions, where Donald Trump's presidency didn't even matter because the Senate had a veto-proof majority on new sanctions that he didn't even stop. Um, that, you know, we took a more active role in a lot of conflicts that Russia wouldn't like us to, that we took actually a more aggressive foreign policy in a lot of in a lot of places, where it could be like, oh, the bad thing about his presidency is like, you know... He's doing things that already existed but making them worse around the margins or whatever. There was nothing about the Muslim band, which I thought was very interesting with the yeah, uh, FBI supports fucking, that shit. Right, exactly. Yeah, but I thought I, I like thought that was very it. the no Muslim band was very interesting with Sally Yates as such an important there's, character. But it just it's just Russia shit that never comes to fruition. And yeah, here's there's my point. never anything there's never any consequence or anything. He, here's
2: my point. If you're gonna be so slippery with the facts and you're just gonna say, like, no, fuck it, he's a Russian agent, then I don't Why why, why not just make shit up? Like you should have GRU guys take Comey's children. Like just drag them (laughs) out of the house, send them like in a fucking, you know, in a a black van to a reeducation camp. And we see them in the third act of the second movie and they come back and they're all just quoting Stalin and speaking (laughs) Russian.
1: Yeah. yeah, They should, they should hollow out all his daughters and they're just Russian
3: dolls. (laughs) (laughs) He has all four daughters in one body. Yeah. Smallest one is at the center. Um, uh, just, just real quick, I, I do have to name check. Uh, Jonathan Banks, aka Mike the Jonathan Banks from yes, Breaking sir. Bad and Better Call Saul, is James Clapper, and he's the one who briefs Obama about how, like, uh, I
2: love that scene. Like, it's like, like, why
3: like, is Mike yelling at this black teenager? <laughs> and it's like you know the the day after the election and they're in the oval office and he's like oh yeah uh that guy you just lost to is an agent of a foreign adversary and we all just got owned and there's one also really good scene with the two tracksuit guys who were doing the memes like the night night before the election they're in front of the world war ii memorial on the national mall and they sort of chink their flasks together and take a swill of vodka and what they say to each other is like look this was a moonshot and we're just playing with house money. Yeah. And LOL, it looks like it's going to fucking work. And like, I thought that that had no, like an element said, of reality they, they, to it. They literally said, you know, it's like the space
2: race, except this time we won. <laughs> and all I could think was, well, you know, it didn't matter who won the space race.
3: either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so lo and behold, uh, Donald Trump is elected. And it goes, now let's get into part two, because like there, there is a there is a total shift in tone. Like I was really bored by part one. I was like, this sucks. Uh, I hate everything about it. I hate all these people. Part two totally comes to life. Like part one reminded me of an Armando Iannucci script that wasn't funny or entertaining. And part two really comes to life. Like, because here's the deal. Part one is about all the Chapo characters that we've consciously ignored because they're so boring. And like, like the the stories around them. is like, who cares? Like emails, hacking, all these FBI stooges. Don't give a shit. As soon as part two starts, Oh my god It's all our friends They're all back It's General Flynn Part one It's Jared Kushner It's fucking Donald Trump
2: Well you know what it is Part one was The Pod Save America mythos Yes Boring Nobody cares about these characters Very lame Nothing happens Part two is the Chapo mythos
3: It totally is It totally is They got DJ TJ in there too Yep and, you know, w- once Trump comes on screen, it's like it, it, it becomes a totally, totally different movie. It becomes something else entirely that I really enjoyed watching. And it, it's funny, like episode two begins with James Comey waking up the day after the election. His wife and daughters are still crying and he is woken up as the, the most hated yeah. man in America. He wakes up. He's like he's gone from being the, the world's best Boy Scout. To a guy that literally everyone in the world despises for what he did. And he's just like, well, still got to go to work and do the people's business. And it's like, what does his family give a shit? What do you get? You're the, the
0: wife of the FBI. director. What, like, what threat are you under, under a Trump presidency? You live in that, Northern that, that Virginia. they got to see. No, but it's symbolic. Remember, she says, how will your daughter feel if she sees a woman lose a race to this man? It's all about. We need our daughter to have the proper motivation so that she can climb the corporate ladder or whatever the fuck when she goes into her insane, ambitious career. And having Trump president is going to uh, reduce her overall earning power.
1: Yeah, so, there's no no one el- No one else's life is at stake but the daughter's ambition. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
3: and it's like you got your daughter. You got, how is your daughter gonna get good grades at the Parsons School of Art and Design? <laughs> <laughs> so you've got you've got the day after the election. Like the heads of the American national security state, like Brennan, the CIA, Clapper, the head of the FBI, have to tell Obama that like, oops, we let a Russian agent win the U.S. presidential election and now we have to deal with this.
1: Uh, And And
3: then they have to go to Trump Tower and brief Trump himself. On like their investigation into the fact that uh, you know apparently Russia wanted him to become president and interfered in the election to make sure he did win and to like you know pursue their nefarious goals, but one of which includes and one of the like one of the the sort of laundry list of wishes that the the Russians have supposedly in getting Donald Trump into the White House is scrapping the Iran deal, which is just like okay they could have supported any Republican for president in that case yeah like, that, that's what that would have happened regardless
1: My, yeah. My ass on that one, yeah. I mean, like, I think, again, like, I I think you could have... James Comey, actually, he personally has a very interesting history with warrantless wiretapping and everything. He was sort of a key figure in Ashcroft resisting Bush administration pressure to make it an initially more expensive program. But you... Maybe something there about how fucking Clapper uh, repeatedly lied to Congress about... Uh, the NSA's eavesdropping capabilities and how even with that even with his incredibly broad charter they apparently just missed this they couldn't do anything
0: The well, money well spent on that fucking <laughs> building
1: yeah, right.
3: Whether it's the Pulse nightclub shooting or Russia stealing an election and putting an active agent of their conspiracy into the most powerful job in the fucking planet. It's just like, oh, I'm really glad we have an FBI and CIA to stop shit like this from happening. I mean, we should give them more. We should give them more power. If you believe this, if you
1: believe that Russia installed their own man in the presidency, wouldn't that be the impetus for you to go? Maybe we don't need an NSA. <laughs> yeah, maybe the NSA isn't doing the exact thing it's supposed to be doing. and maybe and also, we shredded the Fourth Amendment, and this is the one thing they said they would always prevent from happening.
3: They yeah, didn't. and another thing, it, you know, you know me watching this, if I, if I'm to take it like you know, at face value, like the the case presented in this movie that that, that this Donald Trump's election was a masterstroke of fucking tradecraft by the GRU, then I gotta say, well done. They deserved it. Oh, both, God. Master both teams class. Both teams played hard, but you know what? Like, they, they just wanted it more, and, and their memes are better. It was just
2: those two guys just hanging around Washington, D.C. and posting on Facebook. Think, think that, how was cheap that was the whole operation.
3: Think how they, little just money just, they those, spent. Know,
2: just those two guys. Yeah. Think,
1: think what Those guys... And that's that's the Russian equivalent of when you get a tweet with a thousand retweets and you're like, I'm moving to L.A. In <laughs> Russia, if you get a Facebook post with 100 chairs, you're like, I'm moving to go do compromat." Yeah. Hey, guys, I, I'm
2: very humbled. Yeah, I just elected my first American president. I'm um, getting <laughs> I'm getting an apartment in Moscow. So uh, so whatever so, the Williamsburg of Moscow is, Yeah,
1: I'm joining Vodka Pals. Yeah. <sighs>
2: <laughs> I'm joining. I'm joining Vodka House. It's kind of these young influencers who live together, and you know, we we interfere with foreign elections.
3: And you know, so so then, like like I said, Clapper, Brennan, and Comey have to go to Trump Tower and brief Trump himself on like the dirt that they have on him, including the P tape. And Comey's like, "Well, I drew the sh- I drew the short straw, so I have to like personally sit down. With I Donald have to jack off, now. good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay." So then the big boy shows up. The big boy played by the the wonderful Irish actor, Brendan Gleeson. And the thing about this this performance is that like a lot of people were laughing at like the way it looked. And, you know, Gleeson does not look like Trump at all. Like, they just put
0: some... No oh, one he's does. Got to, yeah. it, <laughs> he's does. got a profile. He's got, like, the, the, the neck thing. Yeah. He's got the... The
2: body shape, down. yeah, he's yeah, no, got the
0: but like, pose down, but like the
2: actual face itself is like a weird mask. it's, he, very, I, yeah. it's very polar express. And, and
0: it's, I, I,
3: he doesn't, he doesn't sound that much like Trump either. But I mean, he's got an Irish accent. But for yeah, yeah, but but Gleason perfectly captures the essence of Donald Trump. He has his mannerisms, his tics, his sort of like spastic uh, you know, variation in facial expression from one second to the next. He has yeah. his, he gets down the weird way he breathes where he just like, like he has to take a big breath in between has, each clause. <sighs> <sighs> he also has this, this uh, the essential
2: solipsism down because every time Trump appears in a scene, he's just like in a
3: completely, it's like he's in a completely different frame. He's not really interacting with any of the other no. actors. And when, yeah. they, and when they're telling, when they're telling, when they're telling Trump that like the, the DNC servers were hacked, knowing full well, I mean, they know that the RNC and DNC servers were hacked. They just used the DNC servers to their advantage with that and inf- those emails and information. And they're telling Trump this, and he goes, "The RNC was much tougher. They're much smarter. They're very strong." And. So like, and then it gets to the point where where, where Comey has to brief Trump one on one. They sort of clear the room because it's like there's sensitive personal material about the Steele dossier. And the and the film really underscores the fact that he he micturated upon or had women um desecrate a bed that Michelle and Barack slept on. You know, like that that is like the height of like his his villainy and evil is that you know he had he had a bed that our sainted president and first lady slept on, pissed on by Russian prostitutes, and. He, he, he's, he's briefing him about this saying that like you know we don't believe this sir but like you know this material is out there it's going to come out and we you know we, we need to like it's our responsibility to brief you on this and from there Trump launches into like a five minute monologue about all of the women he's allegedly raped and how they're all like you know, just lying to like get you know do business with him essentially
1: yeah I um I thought Gleason did an incredible job I think that there's a problem with portraying Trump. First of all, no one in the world fucking looks like him. <laughs> nobody. Yeah, yeah. He is the only guy who has ever looked like that. It's actually incredible when you think about it. But yeah, Gleason, as you said, doesn't sound like him. But yeah, the his presence, he gets his presence so well. Just a self-centered bitch. Yeah. And,
3: <laughs> like, it, when, really great. It, it's so good because, like, when, whenever he talks, like, you're right, Virgil, it's like the solipsism of it. Every conversation he he brings back to himself. And, like, one of the things that, like, you know, this is like a David Roth observation about Donald Trump, but, like, when he speaks about anything, it's either the greatest, most amazing thing in the world or a disgrace. It's a disgrace yeah. what they've done. Like, it's, it's either it's either I hire the best people or... He was a loser. He was a disgrace. We had to let him go.
2: And this is like the essential comedy of it because it really does nail Trump and it really does nail how, how, how completely juxtaposed he is from everyone around him who's actually taking all of this stuff pretty seriously. Yeah. Like all the, like the entire, you know, part two of this, like all the FBI guys at Kobe, like they're agonizing over what to do with the presence of Russian agent, all this stuff. And here he is just like talking, he's like sitting down and talking to them about pussy.
3: Yeah yeah like, <laughs> he has no idea what's yeah, going yeah,
2: on yeah, in yeah. any of this and like yeah. all the people like you see like jared kushner all the people who are like trying to impress him with their little fucking files and shit and he just says, get out you stink <laughs> yeah you look like shit right in, now in <laughs> performance, i want to
3: watch tits on tv yeah gleason's performance really reminded me of that interview with playboy that michael shannon gave where they were like well what, like what do you think trump thinks about that he was like he doesn't think anything He's thinking I'd like some <laughs> pussy right now and maybe a cheeseburger later. <laughs> like, he has no thoughts. He has no thoughts at all. And like, and, Gleason no. captures that perfectly. And there's, perfectly. I, I think maybe the funniest scene in the movie is it's like the inauguration has happened. And like, we, like, yes. James Comey, oh God, James yeah. Comey is a fucking pariah. In the entire country, and like even among his own family, and he still has to go along with this bullshit. And then it's like his first moment in the Oval Office, and Trump brings in all like the generals, the beautiful generals, and FBI people, and he's like, "This is great. This is great here." All the FBI people. Nobody loves the FBI more than me. Nobody. Nobody likes the the FBI. Loves me. I know everyone in this room. You probably voted for me, you know. But like, it's very different now. Things could be very different. You, all love Trump, and the cameras are there, and this is on national television. And Comey's sort of like trying to hide in the back of the room. And then Trump just scans the room and then realizes that Jim's Comey is the only person whose name he knows. And then on national TV, he's just like, Jim, Jim's here. Look at it's Jim. Come here. Let's take a picture. And then he has to go and shake his hand and like smile on TV. Fuck. Right before that is,
2: of course, the actual inauguration scene, which is just one of the most beautiful works of filmmaking that I've ever seen. Yeah. Is it shows it first? It shows Trump, you know, in this this very uh, like triumph of the will type shot where he's uh, he's getting ready to like go out on the inauguration dais and, and a woman comes up to like you know touch up his makeup or something, and he just swats her hand away. And then like this, the big refrigerator president just lumbers over to the dais where all these people are waiting for him. And then it's a fucking cut to Obama in the in the fucking Oval Office, and he's like transubstantiating. And this like beautiful, this like fucking ethereal light behind him, and it's like he's just in this pose of like complete, you know, like breakdown. Uh, and then the camera pans up, and then a cut to an American flag on daylight. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, it's, a it's ver- breathtaking. It's one. It's a very it's Spielbergian
3: hilarious. shot of of it's Obama so bathed
2: funny. in light. And it's like that's like I mean that's so <laughs> weird about like, the second part because you're supposed I'm supposed to take all of this seriously. Like oh my god, the president's a Russian agent. This is a thriller. When no, this is this is animal house this is this is fucking rodney
3: Dangerfield as president now we should be
2: laughing at this because it's one of the funniest fucking things
3: it really is and like from there so like comey is like uh this is this like everyone associates him with handing donald trump the white house and now donald trump associates with him as someone who's his friend and ally <laughs> and it, it that 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 to me is the amazing comedy is that he like James Comey is like dedicated his life to serving the United States of America and protecting people and is now the most hated man in the world and the most evil man in the world now thinks he's your best friend. And there's this whole thing where he's like, this is the one thing we didn't want to happen. And he keeps trying to avoid (laughs) having to talk to Donald Trump or be in the same room with him. And Trump keeps finagling away to get him alone to just like chat. And what does he chat to him about? Uh, Alec Baldwin on TV. He talks to him about <laughs> he, he like he, the other thing. The other sort of like David Roth Trump tick that Gleason gets so well is that he loves citing quote very smart people and very yes. educated people who agree with what I'm saying. And he even says Alan Dershowitz agrees with me.
1: <laughs> I clapped at that part. <laughs> I clapped at the Alan name drop.
3: And he, it's like the, the 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 sort of I think the real the, the climax of the movie, the real centerpiece, is the private dinner. That Comey had to go to with Trump in the yes. White House, yes. and it is so fucking funny. He's like, "Oh God, I can't believe I have to do this. I hope someone else is there." And they open the door; it's just two table settings, and just he's like, "Oh fuck, oh fuck." And then like Trump, he, there's a the little cards with their names on it, and like what's being served on the menu, and Trump goes, "They write all these by hand," and Comey goes, uh, "Yes, calligraphy, sir." Yeah, and Trump looks at cool. him confused and goes, "They write it by hand." <laughs> and this is the famous scene where he says he's like i need loyalty jim i need loyalty can you can you always have loyalty for me and comey like he's he's just his teeth are just gritting so hard his jaw is about to explode and he goes you will always get honesty from me sir and he says right (laughs) that's what i would need honest loyalty <laughs> it's a, so
2: it's a contrast to comey's meeting with obama except i kind of see trump's point of view uh, uh, on this like this guy sucks i don't yeah. want this guy working for me he's a, dude, loyal what do you fuck are you talking about honesty fuck you
1: yeah this is the only scene where i sympathize with trump like he's gotta have dinner with the fbi guy no one likes that no one likes a one-on-one dinner where everyone can see the way you eat shrimp and you've always been afraid that it's the wrong way <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> or the way you eat corn, or hold um, a fork and knife. But it's like you've got to, you've got to talk to him to make sure he doesn't do email to you. Uh that's the right way. I'm not, I'm not
2: really worried about. Yeah, that. Felix, this is a very Felix anxiety. Um, and no, then, uh, I eat
0: everything. You know, the right and then, and then, <laughs> <it> <laughs> does feature the you best. hold Trump your fork said. and knife in very normal and correct ways.
1: <laughs> it's definitely the most efficient way. I definitely, I get done with dinner before anyone else does. Yeah, you eat so, so fast,
2: dude.
0: So, of course, uh, this is supposed to
2: be about politicizing the FBI, but, I mean, I like to think that this is an actual, this is actually the, the, the contrast with Ob- uh, Comey saying to Obama, you know, we can't be friends like this, and Trump just wants to be his friend. Yeah, Trump's Trump, a new guy to hang out with. That's what
1: I love about this scene, is, like, they play it up like it's going to be, oh, he's going to ask him to, like, you know, uh, oh, can can you make it so I can do any crime? Can you yes. blah, blah, blah. yeah. But instead, he spends, I'd say, about 75% of the scene being like, um, I love TV, it's nice. <laughs> like, it's just, like, just talking about dumb bullshit, which is awesome. Like, good job.
0: But now I have to rely on people. I have all these idiot advisors around who think they got me elected. You know I actually listen to? TV people. Because they gotta get ratings every day. White House advisor can... Guess wrong, still keep his job. Not the TV guys. A lot of smart people in that business. Well, you can rely on me, sir.
3: The film does make uh, a lot of hay out of, I think, the best thing Donald Trump's ever said, which is when Bill O'Reilly was just like, "Oh, like the the Russians are killers," and he goes, "We're not so good. We have lots of killers ourselves." And we got Comey plenty is of killers. We have plenty of was, killers. Yeah. And then Comey gets very mad at that, and he's like, uh, "Sir." Um, we 're not the same type of killers that Vladimir Putin is
1: I that was yeah, I remember that entire storyline from a few years back, and that was infuriating that people pretended like he said anything wrong there
3: th- there 's also a really funny part where uh, he, you know Trump is now uh, fully president and he 's in the Oval Office being briefed by like the head of uh, the Justice Department, which is now Jeff Sessions, played by Joe Lo Truglio from the state. <laughs> Who's like you know a de- oh really yes yeah. yes I was wondering who that was yes wow. yes that was great that is it great was a great passing. performance and and the funniest thing about this is like again I don't know how aware the filmmakers are of this but Comey is briefing Trump he's like doing his professional FBI agent job and what he's briefing Trump on is he's warning him about white looking Chechen Muslims who are planning something big in America. <laughs> in, like, the next month. And I'm like, this just sounds like the Coruscant group. Like, this is just more absolute bullshit about, like, how, you know, oh, oh yeah, like, the the, the, yeah, the, the white-looking Chechen Muslims are, like, they're, they're here, they have a, they're tough, and they have a very solid network, and we're looking into it. And it's just like, fuck this bullshit. And then Trump is just like, okay, bye-bye, everybody. I want to talk to Jim. I want to talk to Jim again. And he, like, he gets him alone again to fucking bend his ear and then literally asks him to drop... Charges against Michael Flynn because he's a good guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, maybe it's the limitation of being a two-parter, but like I I would have liked it if uh, because so much of the NatSak state is different guys inflating different threats for more funding. I don't know. They, they There was a lot of comedic territory with that. And maybe if they went three, maybe if they cut some stuff out, they could have done that. They but
2: honestly, it- I think there was a pacing problem here because yeah, they made this I decision that. that part one ends with the election. Well, not a lot of shit happens before the election to fill out two hours, which is why they spent half that fucking movie talking about the fucking emails. Uh, when and I think that. You know, I mean, Holly Hunter is also the star of this, but she has very little screen time here. And, of course, you know, Sally Yates, you know, she was important at the very beginning of all this stuff. And we don't really see any of that shit. Like you said, we don't see stuff about the the, the Muslim ban or anything like that. Uh, and I feel like once they just started getting the tape of Trump, they were just like, fuck it, we have to make the whole second part this because it's just so ridiculous. It's such a scene stealer. And I feel like they just cut out, like, All of Sally Yates and all of Holly Hunter's, like, real through line
1: there. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think here's... That's my entire problem with this. I think there is a historically great comic that you can make about the American deep state and their failures to deal with Donald Trump. Yeah. I think they they did some of the things that I would have liked to have seen in that here with this, but I think they should have gone all the way. I think the scenes that were meant to be funny... That you guys identify as such are hilarious, but I I think they uh, they should have gone all the way. I think that would have made it truly great.
0: Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. We'll we'll talk at the end about what I think is going on. Yeah.
3: I mean, I mean, we're we're getting close to the end. I mean, you know, we we all know what happens, which is just it's like an unbroken chain of people getting fired by Donald Trump. And like, yeah, you know, it's like yeah. it's like you know, Comey gets fired, and what happens is he gets Rod Rosenstein, our, our humble narrator, this this fucking this muling dipshit, to to author like a, a letter that is used to justify to fire him. And there is a hilarious scene near the end of the movie where it's Andy McCabe in Rod Rosenstein's office, and Rod Rosenstein is crying. because he's like he's weeping because he's like i never thought they would use me like this (laughs) and then you realize that the whole narration is just is just is rod rosenstein right after he's been shit canned just like comey was (laughs) and then eventually sessions too and it's just all these assholes are fired by him, and he's gotten away with all of it. And he may get away with it again, too. And it's just... My favorite scene is uh, the, they, they take pains to establish what a loser Rod
2: Rosenstein is, and there's this little scene where Comey tells him about the candy trick. Just like, you know, when you're hiring someone, ask them what their favorite candy growing up was. <laughs>
3: a totally bizarre as, thing to
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, I don't know, like, to establish human affection or, or something uh, like that. Milky Way, yeah. And then, and then the next scene, Rod Rosenstein... Just, like, talks to his hot secretary and asks her, um, uh, what, uh, what was your favorite candy growing up? And she just goes, what? She <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just calls the cringe department right there. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, okay, I think that that's it. That's that's kind of my whole issue here. Like, I think you could make this movie, like, make this movie, like, a very subtle thing that, yeah, you set it up in the first act and blow it up in the second. But I think for that, you have to make the characters... The only characters that I really remember that really stuck with me were Mueller, Rosenstein, McCabe because of his drip <laughs> and, uh, and and Comey, of course. But I think to carry that to carry the setup and the explosion, you either have to introduce new characters or sort of give the audience a little bit more of how ridiculous these people are. because as they were portrayed, they were a lot of them were a little too dry to carry that throughout. Because I do, yeah, I do think, yeah, so much of this is funny and there is a good setup and payoff, but I don't know. I think we could have used more more stuff like, yeah, like, yeah, that Rosenstein cringe.
3: It's just, yeah, I wanted to know more about Rod Roses. I wanted to follow him more. I wanted to see what yeah. the other hours of his day are like. Yeah. It's just, to, to me, the humor of this and the humor of the reality we're all living to living through is like the, the juxtaposition between James Comey and Donald Trump James Comey is the guy who is who believes essentially all all of the bullshit about how good the FBI is, and dedicated his life to the evil American government. And then, lo and behold, the guy who's now in charge of that same government, who's been elected president of the United States, is the dumbest, most vulgar shithead in the world. And that now, and and now he is tied to him forever. And, to, and then and then and then and then and is retied to him again as an as an opponent because he's then he goes through these cycles of being like you know raised up and then brought low by like resistance hillary people and like at the end of the movie he's a hero again because he got fired and Virgil you mentioned animal house but the end of this movie had one of the most satisfying little like epilogues like like at the end of animal house when they've trashed the home and coming parade and you know yeah. everyone's just like hey you know we're all going to get laid or whatever and it shows you like the little clips of like what they go on to do <laughs> It's like you know Senator and Mrs. Blutarski, uh, whatever, and like uh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, D-Day, D-Day yeah, yeah. whereabouts unknown. In this movie, they just go around the room of all the uh, the FBI sickos, and it's just like fired, fired, resigned, quit. <laughs> well, what yeah. I love about
2: it is like the, what, the like the moralizing of the film is that you know Rod Rosenstein, he sold his soul to the devil for for a little bit of personal uh, uh, professional gain, which he then lost. Uh, but in real life, you know, Rosenstein is the only guy in this who does not have a best-selling book. He
3: really is to <laughs> yeah, loser her yeah.
1: from yeah, I, this,
2: that. Comey says he is.
1: Oh yeah, Rosenstein is at home, like asking his daughters what their favorite candy is, getting blown. Out. <laughs> <laughs> that would oh man, that would have been a great postscript. Well, then so, there you know, is like all the Rose. I, so this film is sort of told through the perspective of Rosenstein, like talking to some D- low-level DOJ employee about, like, what a dummy James Comey is. And it ends with, like, before that epilogue, with him going, like, oh, and that's the story of James Comey. He sucks. I'm smarter than him. <laughs> and and, the, and then, like, the FBI guy's like, well, James Comey was nice. <laughs> and seems like, who cares? I don't care. And then he gets, like, kind of, that was, like, a little Cone Brothers touch, was having... The problem with that conceit, though, is that to tell the story of Emailgate and RussiaGate to some guy, they would have to be in that room for seven hours.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, we've been, recor- we've been recording for almost seven hours, so I mean, yeah. We, I mean, we 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 all we all know what happens. You know, the one thing it, like the, the, watching this whole movie from like every perspective was like the the brass eye thing with like the pedophile on the space capsule. This is the one thing we yeah. didn't want. To this happen. is the one thing we didn't want to happen. And lo and behold, it fucking happens. And, like, yeah, they all have best-selling books out of this, but, like, they all got owned to shit by Donald Trump, the stupidest, crassest human being in history, just comes in and washes them all away. And on his way out the door, like, Comey, is that the FBI, the field office in Los Angeles is doing like a diversity training seminar and then sees on CNN that he's been fired. And then like all, the, all the FBI field, the agents <laughs> at the office give him like the cool running slow clap moment on the way out the door. And he's just like, he just says, I want you to know the FBI is honest. The FBI is strong. The FBI will always yeah. be independent. And you know what? If, if what all we get out of like Russiagate, email gate, Trump's presidency is just the just total destruction of the FBI good on balance. In my opinion, this movie is Richard Jewell's revenge. Trump. I mean, I'm not saying Richard Jewell is like, it would have been a MAGA guy, but he represents like, yeah, that Rodney Dangerfield kind of like slob, dumb American who's been fucked over by the U S government and finally, finally gets some measure of revenge in the ludicrous presidency of Donald Trump.
0: Yep. All those institutions that uh, that have been fucking people over blithely and fecklessly for decades, when it's their time to defend the Republic, nobody fucking gives a shit because the Republic has just been a giant uh, hazing ritual for everybody who doesn't make six figures.
2: There's this interesting callback at the end of the film where... Uh, Holly Hunter's assistant I guess becomes Rod Rosenstein's assistant you know and now he's got a little bit of power and he's got a man under him and you know it's a young guy and this is like the kind of conceit of the, the, the young guy who's actually you know who's smarter than this this devious uh, this plotter um, and the assistant uh, tells Rod you know do you, ever, do you ever look outside your window and Rod's like no why would I do that <laughs> and the assistant says well you know I do you know why because those buildings out there they've always been here it doesn't matter who the president is. It doesn't matter who's in power. The institutions, the rule of law, these buildings, they always stand. And I got this strong sense of deja vu because the day after the inauguration, when Trump gave this, you know, blood and soil speech, uh, the, the American Carnage Address, uh, I was in D.C. with Felix, and I was I walking was with a friend of ours. Um, and, you know, this was Sunday morning. and Good morning. All, you know, all the, all the swamp people were there. You know, everyone was still, you know, this was from Capitol Hill, like everyone was still going to their jobs and like you're an intern, you're an intern, you're in Congress, you're in Congress. And it was just business as usual for all of these people who like perceived like no actual, you know, the, 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 no actual threat from Trump that any, anything would really substantially change that this this mass of, of bureaucracy and, and congressional salaries and uh, lobbyists, that they're always going to be there. It's going to be inflexible and it's going to be this this inertial force against any kind of change whatsoever. And at the time, that was kind of a calming feeling that, you know, okay, well, we're not going to slide to fascism that quickly. We're not going to put people in camps right away because, you know, there's still the requirement of of all of these pieces working in unison. But now I find that to be a very terrifying thought that this, this inertial mass exists at the core of our imperial system and that, no, it can't be changed. Yeah, people, the people may change. You'll get rid of you know you'll get rid of Jim Comey, I and mean, will just be replaced by other sickos.
0: Well, at you'll be replaced at least by guys uh, if Trump gets to stay in power, who will shred the the independence of these institutions, which we can't have.
3: Yeah, but like right. none of these institutions were independent or apolitical to begin with. Like not. that is the funniest so thing right, about exactly. the FBI. like the FBI is like exists like from its creation to suppress political dissent in America and to police. Yeah. Like subversion and anything outside of the constraints of like you know what the ruling class wants ruthlessly they are the Amer- America's KGB like, like that is what yeah. the FBI actually exists to do and this idea that like oh we're above politics or we would never interject ourselves in an election is just like you know, the, uh, J Edgar Hoover found it like he was the first director of the FBI like I mean shouldn't his life story give
0: some lie to like how fucking noble this institution is. You see that they will they will intervene in our political system at any moment, but only against regular people participating in it. Yes, not by yeah. Not by our hallowed uh, political institutions. Never to, right. Though.
1: Comey's family has no problem with anything the FBI does until it's against you know American aristocracy, someone who the daughters can look up to.
3: Right, and you know, like, and when Comey says at the end the fbi's values are bigger than any one person it's just you know we should keep in mind the values he's talking about are uh crushing political dissent destroying the left uh fabricating terrorist attacks and letting 911 happen like that
0: that's what the fbi exists to do mm-hmm. and that's why i that's why by the end of that second episode i was just giddy because even if you accept the movie as a straight-faced defense of the honor of guys like james comey and the institutions that he defends at the, end of the, at the end of the day, they're absolutely incapable of fending off an attack from the dumbest man on Earth who was yeah. not even trying to win. Yeah. I was so rich about the scene where Mike is talking to teenage Obama and says, well,
2: it seems the next president is a, is a Russian agent and is going to destroy all the institutions. And Obama just goes, uh, well, um, all right, better give him the nuclear codes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Control of yeah. the entire fucking panopticon that we built. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. That's the rules. There's, that, that's that's it, what it, the rules say. In what the see, what in are the we scene, gonna do? In the scene where Rod Rosenstein is crying in front of Andy McCabe, he goes, he he, he he's not well. i I don't think i don't think the president is well mentally uh and he's like uh uh, we 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 could invoke the 25th amendment and i think a lot of people in his cabinet would go along with that and you know what he's absolutely right if they had seriously tried to do that guys like sessions and fucking john kelly would have absolutely shit canned trump and then just be like okay uh, i'm i'm the state now we're in charge but you know what alexander haig style but you know what trump fired their asses before they had a chance to do that (laughs) yeah well that's
2: because each one was each one was solely concerned with personal advancement each one was stupid enough to believe that stupid or conceited enough to believe that I'm going to be the one to ride this fucking Bronco and I'll be the power behind the throne.
0: Yeah. They all went Devon pop in his ass. And And they all got
2: fired. They all got fired because Trump saw them with a fucking mustard stain on their tie. Once it was like,
3: this guy looks like shit. Get him out of (laughs) here. Fuck you. So, I mean, I I think that about that, that sums up uh, the homie rule and like, you know how we got to where we are right now. And like the, the last scene in the movie is that like, intelligence reports say that russia is interfering in the 2020 election and the president still hasn't even commented <laughs> on it and it's just like look what i mean why not double down like would it cost them 400 dollars to fucking put in a russian agent in the white house good for them i'm glad they fucking did at the it. end
2: of this i mean at the end of this it's like okay what am i what's my takeaway here if he, trump gets reelected he'll do more russia shit that didn't happen yeah like you no. can't pull that shit twice you can't say that twice
1: yeah they uh, they could have upped the stakes by talking about literally just pick it out, pick it out of uh, anything, anything that Trump did. But it's just like, no, more Russia stuff will happen. I like, don't gives a shit.
2: And, and on the point of the, this, uh, this inertia of, of you know, the deep state, whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, the last shot of Comey is him and his wife just walking down one of the awful streets of Washington, D.C., with holding their heads up high. Like they're just decent people, like taking it all in. It's like no one. How can you feel a modicum of pride walking walking around Washington D.C.? It's Virgil, disgusting. Do you remember eating a is- boss burger,
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> getting a nice meal? Oh wow,
3: that is a that is a hell of a fucking Virgil, Chapo season two callback.
1: Virgil, do you remember <laughs> the day before inauguration, the night before? We were walking around, you were trying to find a liquor store to get something to drink. Oh yeah. And you just, you just yelled out in pain and rage and anguish, Why isn't anything open? What the fuck is wrong with this town? And a guy in a lanyard and a roller backpack walked by you and said, <laughs> Nothing. Nothing is wrong with yeah, this town. An,
2: an egg shaped man <laughs> walked by. <laughs> that was
1: every character in this
2: movie. That's who this movie is for. You know, nothing yeah. is wrong with this. Nothing is wrong with this system. It's going to persist, yeah. even with Donald Trump. You not, know, everyone.
0: It's not the let the e- the end credit is. Uh, looks like he stole the election, and mm-hmm. nothing's didn't happen between now and then to stop him from stealing it again. Oh well, the system is 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 completely uh, uh, un. Suited to the task.
2: Honestly, I feel like, and also it was very strange watching this movie now. It's very much so a throwback. Watching this four or five weeks before the next election. I feel like that, you know, when they greenlit this probably, you know, a year or two ago, it made more sense at the time. Yeah. And right now it just feels like we're. You know, like, oh, the Russia stuff? That's like 50 news cycles. Oh, that. yeah, no, What the fuck is, are you talking like, I'd about?
0: I'd say it's like the fucking Teapot Dope scandal, but that's one of the three things you learn about the 20s. It's more like the fucking whiskey ring or something from the <laughs> 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 I And I, I
2: I feel like when they made this film, they really thought, you know, he's going to be impeached by now, and this is going to be an interesting historical document. Yeah.
3: He's going to be removed from office, man. When- well, uh, we shall see if the memes uh, swing the ele- this upcoming election to Donald Trump. Uh, we'll all be finding out about that uh, shortly. But uh, that was uh, the the Comey rule and the the life and death of the FBI of uh, the the worst government agency other than the CIA. Rested piss. Bye bye. Till next. Bye bye. You losers. <laughs> they did lose. Okay, till next time guys. Bye bye. Bye.